Luke 1, 68-79 Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor, Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Luke 3, 1 through 6, John the Baptist prepares the way. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Idaria and Trachonitis. Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priest. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River preaching that people should be baptized to show they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Thank you, Sides family. It's beautiful. For those of you who weren't here last week to know what we're doing, we're, this is an old tradition over the four weeks of Advent of reading uh, a section of Scripture that's telling the story that's going to culminate then on a Christmas Eve service where we literally just read the Scriptures and have families read each of the passages of what this moment uh, is about in history. And each of these candles stand for a different... Uh, category of what we see God doing in the coming of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, both in his first coming as a child and his second coming uh, that's out ahead of us. And so the first candle, the lowest one there, is the candle we talked, it's the subject we talked about last week, which is hope. And today is joy. But to talk about joy. And, and uh, my prayer, Father, is that you would 
speak to our hearts, not through wise and persuasive words, but through a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that our faith would not rest on human wisdom or performance, but on God himself. I just want to invite you to open to the Holy Spirit, digging deep. That may even be uncomfortable at moments, but trust me, it's so worth letting him there. Amen. Amen. We good for keynote? Okay, cool. So, doing joy, talking about joy, and we're talking, we're, we're using one scripture passage for all four of the weeks, which is going to be hope, joy, peace, and love. And so, you know, you can see all four of those. I'm going to read the passage out. You'll notice where all four of those are, are in this passage. Um, so I'm going to read it and then talk about joy from it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us. Last week we talked about hope. And that, that hope of the glory of God. That the if, if you want to see how we got to this definition of the glory of God, look look at last week's uh, podcast. Uh, but what we said it's it's the glory. This hope of the glory of God is the expectation to know God in His power and beauty. In other words, the weight of His being, the, ex- the expectation, the hope to know God in His power and beauty, and also for Him to transform everything in me and around me, to bring His glory in me and around me into an expression of His glory. And so that was what we talked about last week. Today, we're going to talk about this word, rejoice. Rejoice. And I find it to be so interesting to see how the Holy Spirit was kind of, kind of moving us and, and nudging us here as we did the worship music. I think the Lord's going to go after some really good stuff in us. First thing I want to notice is, why in the world is Paul saying to rejoice? And just simply, we see here, rejoice, what? In hope of the glory of God. Rejoice, why? In hope of the glory of God. Paul does say to rejoice in our sufferings. But why? He's not saying rejoice for your sufferings. You guys follow me there. This is a really important distinction to start with. Don't rejoice that you're in pain. Yay, pain! He's saying we rejoice. Why? Because this process produces, clarifies, and strengthens hope. Okay, so the reason for rejoicing is hope. Because that, so that's, that's, that's the kind of the hope is kind of the foundation upon which joy is built. Okay, so that's the premise I'm starting with. That there's a reason to be joyful. It's not just kind of this vague, I just feel happy and I don't know why. <laughs> that more sounds like a disorder than joy, right? You know, so, okay. So this word rejoice 
I, I'm, I'm kind of, this is kind of interesting. So the word rejoice that Paul uses in this passage, uh, it, it can be translated a lot of different ways, okay? So even if you're just looking at different, different translations of it, uh, uh, a lot of, the, all the, the ESV, New King James, New Living Translation, New English Translation, they translate rejoice. The New Revised Standard translated as boast. Um, NIV says glory. We glory in it. And, and you know, I like rejoice because I don't remember glorying in anything. Do you? I mean, it's just like when you get a, new, a good hamburger. I just glory in this hamburger. It's just not language I use that often. But it's cool. Um, exult. The 1995 NASB says exult. The, the new one, the 2020 says celebrate. And then I got to thinking, how can we, um, how can I just bring a translation of this word that, because it's got, it's got all these things that exult, glory, boast, rejoice, celebrate. And I thought, what would be modern language? And so one of the things I thought was this. Yes! That's Donna Nix. So, so this is the, yeah. Yes! So if you want to know what the word is. Yes! But then I thought of another one. It's. Let's go! That would be Sam Smith. Let's go! So are you getting the force of the word here? It's, 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 it's. And we. Yes! In the glory, hope of the glory of God. We. Let's go! In suffering. Okay. Thank you, Sam Westoff, for working your magic. Those are the actual voices of the people he made into that, yeah. And here's the thing. Paul uses this word. It's kaukaomai, which is just not even fun to say. It sounds dangerous, actually. I, I, it, he uses it a lot. There's 37 times it's used in the New Testament, and 35 are with Paul. And, and so it's interesting. So rejoice could be a boast. Yes, let's go. Paul has two senses in which he uses it. One's kind of a negative sense. Where he says things like this. And this is actually, he uses the word several times in Romans uh, before this passage in chapter 5. And, and he's talking about the fact that n- nobody can re- make themselves right with God. Not Jews or Gentiles. And so he's saying to the Jews, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God... You who boast in the law dishonor God because you break the law. And then he goes on to say, what becomes of our boasting? Because the only way we can be justified and made righteous with, with God is through faith. Our boasting is excluded. By what kind of law? Law of works? No, by the law of faith. And then he even says about Abraham. He said if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And so you see Paul using kind of this this more negative sense with this word rejoice. He says, let no one boast in men. The Corinthian church was saying, I like that preacher, Apollos. And others are saying, well, I like Paul. And others are saying, I, I like Peter. And, and, and some are saying, well, I only like Jesus. And he's like, let's just not boast in men. He, he says, uh, <laughs> there, there's these uh, false teachers in the church at Corinth that are trying to discredit Paul. And he's saying, all right, uh, let me tell you about what the way to really think about leaders. So so you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what's in the heart. He, he says, 
uh, the, the Galatian churches, there's people that want you to follow the law. They call them Judaizers that were, were trying to make, make the new believers that were Gentiles enter the old law uh, circumcision. Uh, he says, well, the only reason they're asking you to get circumcised, they want to be able to boast about your flesh, boast that, that you're in with them. And, and finally, Paul says, what do you have to the, to the Corinthians? What do you have that you didn't receive? If you received it, don't boast as if you didn't. So, so there's this negative sense that Paul uses the word uh, rejoice. And, and really, if you see all the times he uses in the, this negative sense, it comes down to rejoicing, boasting. Yes! Let's go! In our own efforts and accomplishments, it's not a good thing. Another way to say it is our own efforts, accomplishments, and status are nothing to boast about. They're nothing to rejoice in. Okay. And Paul's got this really interesting positive way he talks about boasting or rejoicing. Or yes, let's go. We see this in today's passage. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because it gets down to this place that produces hope. Paul does this elsewhere, just right after our passage in, in verse 11. He says, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've received reconciliation. He says, let the one who boasts, boast, rejoice. Let's go in the Lord. And then Paul says, far be it from me to boast to rejoice except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world's been crucified to me and I to the world. I love, this is the glory translation. We are the circumcision, we are the circumcision. Those who have given their lives in faith to Jesus, that's the true circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So what we see, whenever Paul uses this word, boast, let's go, glory, the positive sense is all about what God has done and is doing for me. What God has done and is doing for me. And what's interesting is Paul often pairs boasting, pairs rejoicing, pairs this glory, this let's go, with weakness. I mean, we say it, see it in today's passage, right? We rejoice in our sufferings. What? He's, this is what he does. This, he, when he, he pulls out this word, this, let's go. Suffering is right there with Paul. We see it, in fact, um, 2 Corinthians is a really fascinating letter because Paul... Paul planted this church in Corinth, right? And, and then he leaves, goes back, and it turns out that there's these teachers who have come in that, that are like, Paul is unimpressive. What he says isn't that great. Um, his letters sound weighty, but we're in, in person, you know, he's boring to listen to. I thought, poor Paul, I, I thought, if Paul had a church today, I don't think anybody would go. He's unimpressive and offensive. You know, it's like... He wouldn't get much of a crowd these days. <laughs> so 
So Paul is having to defend himself. In fact, they got to the point. How, how would this? He started the church, and then they say, could you bring a letter of recommendation before you come back and preach here? 2 Corinthians 3, how hard would that be? And so when Paul's like, how do I, how do I convince these guys that I love them and probably should be around? And so here's what he does. He said, many would boast according to the flesh. I'm going to boast too. I'm going to give you my qualifications. But if I must boast, I'm going to boast of the things that show my weakness. This is Paul's resume to the church. I'm going to boast in the things that show my weakness. He said, though, if I wished to boast, I would not be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth. We, we see in Philippians and also there in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul, man, he'd gone to the right schools. He'd studied with a famous dude, Gamaliel. He, he, he'd done the stuff, man. He was known in the Jewish world. But he's not speaking about what those things. He says, I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears in me. What's actually here. And then Paul wraps this whole thing up, 2 Corinthians 11 and 12. If you want to have a good theology of ministry, read 2 Corinthians 4, then 11 and 12, and they'll give you good theology of ministry. Paul, who did have incredible revelations from God. I mean, he saw Jesus. We talked about it last week, that he had a vision of Jesus that was so spectacular that it blinded him. And then he, it says in 2 Corinthians 12 that, that he got caught up into this third heaven and, and saw and heard things that he couldn't even repeat. They were so holy. But out of that, Paul, right after that, he's having this challenge. He talks about a thorn in the flesh with none of us know what it is. But, but this, this bothersome difficulty that just, even when he asked Jesus to make it go away, it didn't go away. And Jesus said, I'm not going to make it go away. Here's my response. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast Rejoice all the more gladly. I will. Yes! Let's go! In my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, so we know that Paul's already said this positive sense of rejoice is rejoicing because of what God has done, is doing for me. Why in weakness? Well, because it's super clear God's the one who's doing it. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, like, I'm just too scared to do anything about that, and God came through, you're like, well, that was not me. And the other thing is this. It's also part of God's transforming work, the very transformation into glory we talked about yesterday, to start looking like. What Jesus looks like. Here's how Paul says it in today's passage. He says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? This is because it gets to hope through this path. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. When you're suffering, endurance, you, you can think that sounds real strong. I think endurance is just hanging on. 
just hanging in there, just not quitting, is endurance. And then endurance produces character. What's character? It's, it develops us in a habit. We get used to it. It becomes, if you will, second nature to hope. See, the, 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 the very thing that seems to be opposing hope is the very thing shaping us up into receptacles of hope. So, summary. Why do we rejoice? Why, why do we boast? Because of hope, which is the expectation to know God in His power and beauty and for Him to transform everything in me and around me into an expression of His glory. And what is part of this rejoicing? What is part of this joy? We're joyful because God is the one doing the work. And he does his best work in my weakness. He does his best work in my weakness. Guys, this flies in the face of everything we kind of believe about success and leadership and all that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Yesterday, um, <laughs> I was just, you know how those days, just some days you just feel like you're doing well, all the days, not so much. And yesterday I was like, Lord, I feel like I'm failing at some of this church stuff. I just don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, Lord, um, do, you, do you think I'm failing? And he said, Gail, when has human failure ever been an obstacle to anything I want to do? It's fairly irrelevant. That's a relief, by the way. Like, that's right, I'm not God. I mean, because I'll be honest, a lot of times when I hit the suffering, I, my response is, oh, guile, how shall we get out of this? <laughs> you, you, you can relate, right? Because <laughs> I'm pretty good at some stuff. Oh, God is so kind to me to let me taste my weakness so I can safely say, Oh, God, how are you going to get me out of this? So, so um, it, 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 okay, here's, here's way, one way we can respond. And something I hadn't anticipated was we're going we're gonna to have some smoking dancing after this. Yeah, come on, Sam. Let's go, baby. I say that. You may, you don't have to dance. You know, you're like, well, he's doing other kinds of weird stuff. Is he going to dance right now? No. Here's a little exercise we're going to go into, and then we're going to worship Jesus in music. Um, so if hope is kind of the foundation for joy, that's the case, here's what I ask you a question. Do this. Remember a difficult time that God made glorious. I'll give you an example. Like, I ha I've talked about my previous jobs. I've had some really bad jobs. Phone sales, um, you know, running a media company that was bankrupt, working for churches that all called me and constantly said, you are a crook, even though it wasn't my fault. I mean, it, was, it was awesome. It was a great job. And, and here's how I know that I, I thought at the time God had abandoned me. Like, this is the worst job ever. 
I'm not telling anybody from seminary what I'm doing because I'm already not in a church anyway. I'm doing this stuff. It's just scads of failure. And I got to tell you guys, as we've gone through COVID, I have seen that God prepared me so lovingly to be in situations where no matter what decision I make, 50% of the people are going to hate it. I'm serious of God's in seeing what he did and thinking things that would have ruined, I thought it was going to ruin my reputation for all kinds of different reasons, names on contracts that I couldn't fulfill even though it was not my fault. And, all this and that the Lord brought me through every bit of it. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming out of it without even a smell of smoke on it. That was so painful. felt like such a failure, such a difficult time. But I have actual intel. I have actual evidence that I would have to lie about to not admit that God turned that into glory. He shaped me. He shaped me. And now I'm so much more resilient. Now, this is way harder. This has been really hard. But like, I remember this. I remember this. Thank you, Jesus, that I know there's another side to this. That there's a, there's a, this, this doesn't last forever. So let's take a moment and think of a difficult time that you know God made glorious in your past. we're doing right now is gathering first-hand evidence that you can hope, okay? So the next thing I want you to do is notice what feels difficult, what feels like suffering right now. What's the difficult situation you're in right now? Might be health. Might be a relationship. Might be a job. Might be just the world you're living in. And I want you to ask this question of yourself. Could God do the same that he did in the past? Could he do it with my present difficulty? You might have all kinds of objections. This is way harder. I'm just saying, could God do it? Keep in there, Lord, bring hope. The presence of your spirit. Bring us hope. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Thank you, Lord, that we're going into the real stuff here. The real stuff. Uh, if you're having to talk yourself into stuff, stop it. 
I'm just saying, just get in a passive spot and ask God these questions. Do we want to meet the real living God? Is it actually true? I believe it is because of my life experiences. But, but you may, may or may not be in that situation, but just let it come. Try to talk yourself into anything. Don't be churchy. Could God do the same? So here's the question. Can I rejoice? Can I boast? Can I say, let's go today? Because God is the one who's going to do the work. And God does his best work in my weakness. In fact, the prerequisite for God to come through is that I am out of control. That I don't have what it takes to make it through. In fact, if you think you do, you may need to ask the Lord as you need to repent for being in the way. Probably the scariest place to be in our lives is to be able to say, I got this. The mature Christian becomes more and more dependent and childlike, not independent and adult-like. So let's stand together. It's going to be our chance to actually say that boast, say that yes, say that rejoice. We're going to have the band help us do that. Some of you guys are in really significantly challenging situations. I'm aware of cancer diagnosis that are in our community right now. Can it be that God will bring something glorious in healing, in, in, in transformation, in whatever it is he feels like he wants to do. Can it be that you cannot be freaking out and, and getting all lathered up to figure out how to save yourself because the point of the hope, the point of the rejoicing is that it is God doing the work in you. And he does it best when you're weak. What if your faith doesn't feel strong enough? Perfect. You're in the right spot. Go with weak faith. Don't be impressive. Don't be heroic. Just be dependent. We, we learn, we get character by hanging on by our fingernails. Just don't quit. So let's say that to the Lord. Lead us, Sam. Don't you get shy on me 
Okay, we're going to do one last thing. Some of us in this room, the best you can do is go, let's go. It's okay. It's okay. Some of you, for just, just to get the words out, I rejoice in a little bit of a voice is a massive accomplishment. And I want to say, good job. Good job. Good job. Some of us just, that's the best we can do. But here's where the community of faith comes in. Sometimes when I can't rejoice, I need somebody else to help me do it. Does that make sense? So I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. If you're in that spot, you're like, I just, I need someone else to rejoice for me, over me. Could you step into the middle aisle? And and, and it could be anything, discouragement, whatever. Because what we're going to do is going to sing over you. Nobody's going to accost you. But if you want to step into this middle aisle right here and would like us to sing hope and joy over you, do that right now. Don't wait. Okay, just come to this middle aisle right here. I, I, I Man, I, I'm standing here myself. Sing it over me, baby. We're just going to take a moment. Some of us, we just need to hear it. Some of us, even just to feel like I could rejoice, it almost sounds cruel. It's okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. But just that shard of hope, just that endurance that God's working on. Can you hang on by your fingernails? Can you just hang on enough to to even move a little bit and we will sing over you. We'll give the voice to the... Zephaniah says that he's singing over us with joy. So we're going to give voice to that using our voices, okay? In fact, let's do this before we do words. Just let's just sing out loud whatever comes to our mind. We're just gonna sing spontaneously over them. Lord, bring it, Lord, bring it, Lord, bring it, Lord. Joy, Lord, hope, Lord. Oh, my yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it comes. Oh. Hope, Lord.
Feel the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. The encouragement of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Holy Spirit. You love, you said in 1 John that you have life in you. And you're the only place we can have real life. Two encouragements, real quick, Joe. Come, Joe's one of our elders and prophetic man that wanted to share something real quick to bless you. So all morning I've been uh, just contemplating about how we declare the glory of God, right? And how the four creatures at the end of time in John's revelation, they've seen everything and they, all they can say is holy, holy, holy. They run out of words. They can't say anything else. They just say holy, holy. And I'm thinking, you know, we walk around and we declare something beautiful because we see it as beautiful, right? We declare something good. Our circumstances are good because we see it as good. Or we declare it bad because we see it as bad. But God speaks differently. When God says something is beautiful, it is made beautiful. When God says something is good, it is turned good. When God speaks, it is. So we boast in God's glory. He says to us, let the weak say I am strong. He says to us, blessed are the poor in spirit. So when God speaks, you are made different. So while you're declaring his glory, I want you to hear the passion of Jesus declaring something over you. He's saying something about you. He finds you praiseworthy. He finds you good. He sees you as beautiful already. You don't have to meet something. So Jesus, let us hear what you say over us while we declare your glory. Isn't that good? So we, we get it with God, boast in his goodness because of what he's going to do. Now, we're not making it happen. We just agree with what he's going to do. Stuart um, Bentz just reminded, he, he said, you know, I, I'm reminded that in Revelation 3, that authority comes through endurance see churches have an authority because they just didn't quit so don't bow up to try to be strong just don't quit 
Just hang on to Jesus. Just don't quit. And the authority that God wants to bring into your life and that's then available for others is going to happen. When you're gaining authority, usually you don't know what's happening. It just kind of leaks out wherever you go. Okay. One last thing I remember. I just saw Carrie Ann's. Did you know with all the bad things happening in the world and like people like doing yuckies, Psalm 2 says God sits in the heaven and he just giggles. Everybody aligning themselves against God and all he's done, he's like, I find this amusing. He is not freaking out. He's at peace. Carrie, why don't you give us a little more on that? This will be our last encouragement from the prophetic. Um, this was just something I saw during worship. God is on the throne laughing. Like, not in like a bitter, negative kind of way, but he just looks at the nations and laughs at their meager plans. And he's like belly laughing on his throne because he knows how it's all going to work out. Like, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And right now, he is belly laughing with joy for the way that he knows he's working everything out for your good and his glory. We are seated with him on the throne, next to him at the right hand of God. So look at him, see him laughing, and know he is so good that he can take anything and work it out for your good and his glory. Isn't that yummy? All right, well, we'll do a soft close. The worship band's going to play. Usually I say be quiet, but just be loud because that's just kind of what they're going to do. Um, if you'd like some prayer, prayer teams, if you could be over here, we, we can also go in the back rooms if you need a little quiet. If you'd like prayer, we want to be available for that. Band, take us away. Enjoy. Have a wonderful week.